The Talmud has a vignette that speaks mightily to our time right now, and it concerns, of all things, a big traffic jam. This is the vignette. One day, a bride wakes up, and she goes off to her wedding, and she's accompanied by her retinue. And this bride and her procession, they're just all so happy. I'm getting married. I can just imagine the life that my husband and I are going to build together, the home we're going to build, the children we're going to bring into the world, the laughter, the meals, the impact, the good time. I'm so happy. And she's just laughing. And you can hear, you can hear delight in the air. And just then, at the same time, there's another procession, a funeral procession. And a widow is taking her husband of 50 years to his eternal resting place. And she's in such a dark, dark place. I've been married for 50 years. He's my life. How am I going to live without him? How do I do life alone? I've never done that before. And she weeps. And the bride's laughter and the widow's weeping, the bridal procession and the funeral procession come to this corner and they both cannot pass at the same time. They're just there. Now this famous vignette is not really about traffic. It's not a traffic problem. This is a human problem. And it's not about too many cars on the road that are going in opposite directions. It's about too many conflicting human emotions that are swirling around at the same time in our heart. We are all deeply familiar with emotional traffic jam, where happiness and sadness come together, same place, same time. We know emotional traffic jam during the pandemic. Many of the people in our community, you ask them, how are you doing in the pandemic? And they would say, to be honest, we're doing fine. Work pivoted online. I kind of like my new quieter schedule. Got plenty of food, plenty of time, seeing my adult kids more. I'm good. And at the same time, aware of the ubiquity of deep suffering. In our country and in the world, happiness and sadness collide. Didn't we all just have that? Didn't we all just have that at the Pesach Seder's last weekend? 
during the war in Ukraine. How could we not have that? How could we come to our home, our home and our hearth, when we know that millions of refugees now have no home and have no hearth? How could we stare at our Seder table full of bottles of wine and fresh vegetables and the best food, knowing that so many are in a food insecure environment and that hunger is so real, happiness and sadness collide, emotional traffic jam. Next week, we're going to have a significant emotional traffic jam. We're going to be thinking about Yom HaShoah, Wednesday night and Thursday. We're going to light our candles. We're going to be thinking about war crimes and atrocities and man's inhumanity to man that was visited upon our people in the 30s and 40s. And how can we not think about the fact that war crimes and atrocities and grievous inhumanity is happening every day to millions of people in real time and it's on every one of our screens? As a people, we're committed to the mantra, never again, and yet we know it's again and again and again and again. That's an emotional traffic jam. And it's not just national stories. It's not just the war, the pandemic, that causes an emotional traffic jam. Every one of us has experienced this in our personal lives. One loved one is getting married. Yay! They found their partner. And another loved one has had no mazel. And they're stuck with online dating. Bad date after bad date times a thousand, if they haven't already given up. One loved one just keeps bringing new babies into the world. Another bris, another naming, and another loved one hasn't had that dream fulfilled yet. One loved one is just thriving, got a new job, got a new promotion, the money's rolling in, the satisfaction's rolling in, while another loved one is just stuck. One loved one's in the peak of health. On Monday, they ran the Boston Marathon, best personal time, and another loved one has congenital health problems. Happiness and sadness always find interesting new ways to collide, same time, same place, same conflicted, tormented, grateful human heart. That's what the sugya in the Talmud is about. And don't we feel that today? What a glorious day. April 23rd, you gotta love that day. Eighth day of Pesach, you gotta love that. Harold and Leah's wedding, you gotta love that marking the 15-year celebration of Brad's life and new lease on life. you got to love that happiness. And last week, most of us were blessed in person. Again, generations with love, love it, love it, love it. Happy, 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 happy. And, and, who wasn't at the Seder table? 
and who isn't in our lives. And it's Yiskor. Happiness, sadness, same place, same time, our human heart. Now here's what happens in the Talmud. The bridal procession, the funeral procession, cannot both pass at the same time. So the answer of the Talmud is that the bridal procession takes precedence. The bride and her retinue get to pass and they get to go on to their wedding, and the funeral procession has to hang back and wait until the bridal procession is through, and then the widow and her retinue can lay her husband of 50 years to rest. And we learn a few crucial things from this story. First, none of us, zero, 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 none of us, has the luxury of finding our happiness in a happy, perfect world. All of us have to find our happiness in an unhappy and imperfect world. All of us have to be able to find some muscle and exercise some muscle and strengthen some muscle that allows us in the middle of a very complicated world to find our happiness even in a world where we know that at the same time there is deep suffering. After all, this bride is going to her wedding day knowing that another woman is laying her husband to rest. And should the bride say, wait a minute, I got to reschedule. Should the bride say, wait a minute, I can't get married if another woman is weeping. Of course not. The bride is entitled to get married that day, and the bride is entitled to be happy that day, and the bride is entitled to be happy, happy, happy that day. But it means that she's got to find that happiness knowing that there is also suffering in the world. And we learn, this is just so important, we learn that nobody gets to just be in the bridal procession. Everybody is also in the funeral procession. Everybody has to hang back and wait. This is not my moment. Not my moment. And I'm going to be good and let the bride and her procession pass. I'm happy for them. I wish them only the best. And I just need to mourn my own loss. And this widow, this widow lays her husband to rest, knowing that her worst day is another woman, the bride's best day, and that's okay. That just is. That is life. That is emotional traffic jam. And all of us are heir to that. Now, I want to tell you a story about a person who has to navigate an enormously complicated, 
emotional traffic jam. His name is Jacob Gasevich, and he is a Moel. He does the mitzvah of ritual circumcision, and he did it in Dnipro. He was just known as the Moel. He was the Moel of Ukraine. Lived in Dnipro, but he took his Nissan SUV, and he would do Brit Milah anywhere and anywhere and everywhere in Ukraine. He has done 8,302 Britot. He averages a bris a day. And when the war started, Jacob Gasevich was committed to stay in Dnipro because he's the Moel in Ukraine. I'm not leaving. If a baby will be born, I need to do the bris. And then one day, his four-year-old son was standing near a window in their apartment, and there were sirens blaring, and there were shells falling. And Jacob Gasevich realized that his son could die because he's standing in a, wit a window, and shrapnel comes. And just then and there, he and Lisa and their three kids decide, it's time. We have to go now. And very much, very much like the Israelite story, they go in haste. They didn't even wait 18 minutes. There wasn't time for the bread to rise. In haste. They don't pack up. They don't sort out affairs. They get in the car and go. And the ride to freedom is beyond harrowing. First of all, there's sirens all around blaring and there are shells and artillery firing and this guy is driving his wife and three kids amidst falling artillery and sounding of shells. And there's humongous traffic, so many refugees trying to get out of Dnipro at the same time. And there are checkpoints which slow everything down. Five hours becomes 10 hours, becomes 15 hours, becomes 20 hours in the car. Can you even imagine driving your family and young kids in a car for 20 hours? And Friday afternoon becomes Shabbat. And they're in the car driving, and his 11-year-old daughter starts to sing L'cha Dodi. And everyone in the car starts to sing L'cha Dodi, and they feel centered and anchored, and they keep driving, and there's crazy stories about how they even refuel. They find a way to refuel, and they get to Kizhenev, the site of the 1904 massacre, the pogrom. And there is a synagogue that has mattresses where refugees from Ukraine can spend the night. And they've been in the car 25 hours and they get into this Kishinev synagogue, and they see all these refugees and all these mattresses, and it's just so enormously depressing and distressing. They say, we can't stay here. So they get back in the car, and they drive another 800 miles to Vienna. Talk about complicated. Vienna, the birthplace of Hitler. Vienna, that massacred and killed and expropriated the property of its Jews, Vienna is now 
the city that boasts a growing Jewish population. There are now 8,000 Jews living in Vienna. There are now 25 synagogues, 12 kosher restaurants, two Jewish day schools, one Jewish university, and now one Ukrainian moel is in Vienna. And instead of mattresses and lots of refugees, Jacob Gasevich and his wife Lisa and the three kids are given an apartment in this odd, super odd, promised land of Vienna, where happiness and sadness collide, same place and same time. Happiness, it's a nice apartment. They're safe. They're safer than they were in Dnipro, and they're safer than they were on the road, and they're safer than they were in Kizhnev. And sadness, when Jacob Gasevich walks out of his apartment, he walks on the stepping stones that have the names of the Jews of Vienna who were murdered by the Nazis. Happiness and sadness in the same place and the same time. We don't have the luxury of finding our happiness in a happy world. We have to find our happiness in a manifestly complicated and often not happy world where there is real suffering at the same time. Finally, he settled, and one day he gets a call from Dnepro. A new Jewish male is born. There is no Mohel. Can you be that Mohel? And his wife and kids are safely in their apartment, safely with the stepping stones outside. He leaves them, he jumps in his SUV, and he drives hundreds and hundreds of miles back to Dnipro to do this mitzvah for another family. Because happiness, happiness is not what we feel. Happiness is what we do to make meaning, especially in a traffic jam. <laughs>